Okay. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 11 of your ex-boyfriend's podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to all my continuous listeners and to everybody who's tuning into this for the first time. I appreciate you. Uh, first off, in old business, something important, actually. So I think it was an episode or two ago, I said that we were out on Apple Podcasts after having not had that working for most of this podcast. I lied. <laughs> we were not on Apple Podcasts yet for some reason, and I don't know why they don't do this. It was saved as a draft in Apple Podcasts in like the little uploading page, and it never published and never got put on iTunes. So we are now officially on Apple Podcasts, the X. Uh, no, what is this podcast called? <laughs> Your ex-boyfriend's podcast can be heard on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. Please tune in. Tell your friends. How exciting. In <laughs> uh, other old business, a couple episodes, we talked about critical thinking. We talked about determining the truth, finding your truth. Um. I had a couple of my close friends reach out. They had thoughts about that episode, and I really appreciated hearing what they had to say. At some point in the future, we're going to have both of them on the podcast. But for now, um, just shout out to to Jerry, to Jericho, and Alex. They both reached out and, and gave me some thoughts. Uh, first of all, Jericho, we were talking about the idea of of discerning truth how do you determine when you are faced with you know differing stories and and, and seemingly uh, different facts and um you're you're tasked with de- determining what it is that that your truth is that you know what makes the most sense to you i really enjoyed that conversation with you and i think what i came away with uh after we talked was for me the most important thing in determining your truth is that it's a constant process it is it is never ending and it requires you to continuously ask questions and examine and question what you think you know you need to be crowdsourcing essentially um, information because as we talked about you're gonna get you're gonna get advice and facts and figures and opinions from people who have the best of intentions but that may not be right for you you might get terrible advice or terrible guidance from other people with the purest of intentions and your responsibility is to fact check basically determine what they're saying if it's right for you does it match what other people are saying does it match your experience does it match the collective experience and yeah that's that's basically what i took away is is it's all it's it takes a lot of work. It takes continuous effort to um, be living in alignment with whatever it is you find to be the most true. And then I had a conversation with Alex um, in which he was expressing um, disappointment that he saw in college that this sort of thing isn't taught, which I think we covered uh, maybe in, in that same episode, in episode nine. It's not taught, it's not encouraged. Um, critical thinking isn't a skill that we cultivate in the education system 
well, I should say in, in a large majority of the educational system in America, um, he's, he sees it on a regular basis because Alex has a job in which he is face to face with the public every day. Um, he gets a good, a good sampling of what we are not taught to do. And yeah, I agree with him. It's disappointing. <laughs> um, you can't really blame, you can't lay blame on those individuals, but you can definitely trace back in a lot of cases to our teachings, our, how, how we educate people in this country, how we teach them to think. I guess where that's concerned, you always have to remember, and, and I think this is one of the most important things regarding the topic for me, you always have to remember that in order to, to cultivate this skill of critical thinking, of, of asking questions, of being, of, of making your decisions and acting in a way that aligns with the facts knowing the truth you have to cultivate it on your own um you can always seek out mentors and and teachers and, and information once you know there's a problem once you know that we're not being given these skills initially but again you have to do it yourself you have to realize that you have to have a wake-up call Maybe it's something that happens to you or somebody you know. Maybe somebody brings it to your attention. Maybe I'm your wake-up call right now. Maybe this podcast is your wake-up call. But once you have that, it's up to you. Nobody else is responsible for your own education, which is something I always told my apprentices when I was in construction. You are responsible for your own education and being the best electrician you can be that applies to being the best person you can be it's your job figure it out <laughs> okay that's enough for old business this episode as you all saw is called my first time in the er it may not be about what you think it's going to be about my first time in the ER was a year ago, mm, a little over a year ago in February of 2021. The reason I went to the ER is because I started to feel in December of 2020 like I was having heart problems. Um, turns out that wasn't it. And we're going to get into that, what actually happened. It's a lot bigger of an issue than you might think. So the topic of this episode is sort of specifically centered around the uh, mental condition of anxiety. But in a larger way, it's about mental health. So... Why are we talking about anxiety? In particular, generalized anxiety disorder. Why do we talk about that? Because I have it. <laughs> I found out at the age of, how old am I? 31. At the age of 30, that I was experiencing generalized anxiety disorder. Um, which was a surprise to me. I had gone 30 years with no mental illness and without delving too deep, without revealing too much of my family's history, my, their, their own individual medical histories, because I, I, I haven't cleared this with them. <laughs> but uh, without revealing too much, anxiety is something that... Um, both my sisters have, they have both been diagnosed and, and I think deal with it 
on a regular basis. So at age 30, I figured that I had avoided um, any, any any mental illness. I, I, I figured that I had, had uh, escaped. Guess what? That's not true. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? How did I how did I sort of figure it out? Starting in December of 2020, I remember specifically the day that I started uh, thinking something was going on. I, I remember sitting at my computer, and and for those that know me, y'all know that I am um, an avid video gamer. I have been into video games for as long as I can remember. Granted, a lot less so now that I am, you know, in sort of early middle adulthood. Um, but I, I still, it's a passion of mine. It always has been. So I'm sitting there, I'm playing, man, I think I was playing Doom Eternal. <laughs> And also, also, shout out to my dad for introducing me to the Doom franchise when I was like four or five. <laughs> Way too young to be introduced to Doom. <laughs> um, but I was sitting there. Sitting there playing. Having a fine time. I wasn't stressed about anything consciously. I wasn't agitated by the game. It wasn't like I was just having a hard time while I was playing, you know? It wasn't anything causing me um, stress or grief. I was just enjoying doing one of my hobbies, which is completely normal. I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I feel first a spike of adrenaline throughout my body everybody knows what that feels like when your brain shoots adrenaline into your system it shocked me so that shoots through my body and then immediately my heart rate picks up um, because of the adrenaline at the same time i also get this like semi dizzy like i described it later as not dizzy not about to pass out but feeling like that was inevitable like that was the next thing that was going to happen is that i was going to start losing my balance and i was going to pass out it is the weirdest thing to describe because how do you know right how do you know oh the next thing that's going to happen is i'm going to pass out or i'm going to fall over right it's hard to explain and it's not something i had ever felt before so all these symptoms, I should say all these f physical phenomena immediately like took effect. They, they all happened simultaneously. And I was like, obviously, I was like, holy shit, what is happening? So I sit there, I pause the game, and I, and I just sort of like feel right let myself feel what is going on it subsides for a second so i'm like well that was fucking weird <laughs> i unpause the game and then 30 seconds later it happens again and the dizzy or i should say pre dizzy feeling is a lot more pronounced so i pause the game again and I'm like, okay, there is something going on right now. Maybe I'm having some sort of um, seizure or something because of the game. Because it, it was a very violent and 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 aggressive game with, you know, crazy intense music and flashing lights everywhere, and you know, you're fighting for your life and and sending demons back to hell. <laughs> so. I, I I exit out of the game. I'm thinking, okay, that that's something. That's part of it. I need to stop playing that for right now and just calm down. Fast forward to days later. 
nothing I do has helped. Nothing makes it better. The only thing that I can tell that changes when I get these episodes, so to speak, and how serious they are, like how how intense they are, the only thing that changes them is if I sleep. When I go to sleep, I don't have problems. I don't wake up in the night. I sleep just fine. And then when I wake up, I'm okay for a period of between two and six hours. But guaranteed for, what did it end up being? A week. I think it was a week. Guaranteed after I woke up, like six hours later, minimum, minimum, yeah, I would start having these episodes. Freaked me out. They were for a week. And while I was thinking about it at the time, I traced another incident back to the previous week in which I had legit been having like a panic attack. And it had occurred for seemingly no reason when I was going to bed. Like I was brushing my teeth, getting ready for bed. And all of a sudden, my heart rate picks up, um, like beats really hard. I can feel it through my clothes. I can see my shirt moving with my heartbeat. Um, and I tried to go to sleep, tried to lay down and was not having it. Like there was something going on that only lasted for about 20 minutes, but I definitely tied the two together. I'm like that happened. And now I'm having these episodes for this whole week. What the hell's going on? So after that week, symptoms went away. I felt totally fine. And that was like the end of December around Christmas. So I go through the holidays, go through January. No problem. I feel fine. In February, like late February, I start to have the exact same thing again. These episodes pop up out of nowhere. No idea what's causing them. There's no triggers. I did a lot of self-reflection and and data collection basically with a journal like every time i would have these episodes i would write it down what i had been doing immediately prior what i had eaten that day how much sleep i had gotten i can't find a correlation it doesn't matter what i eat how much i exercise that was another thing these episodes not triggered by exercise so if i'm elevating my heart rate artificially by moving by by working my muscles working my cardiovascular system feels fine totally normal cannot correlate these episodes with anything so i finally decide that i need to go to the doctor contact my primary care physician get an ep- uh not an episode an appointment scheduled and i go in i explain everything that's happened to her and the first thing that she says is do you feel anxiety do you feel like you're having Um, anxious thoughts is there anything causing you stress or anything that you can identify that would be mental causing these physical symptoms and i in my infinite wisdom immediately dismissed that i said no i'm not anxious about anything i you know have regular stressors in a day-to-day setting you know with work and with my relationship and you know family and whatever normal things, but there is nothing causing me undue amounts of stress or anxiety that I could tie to this. That's what I thought at the time. That was my conscious reaction. And she said, okay, well, let's run some tests. We do the tests, you know, EKG, blood work, all that shit. I get to wear a heart monitor for a couple days. Nothing. They don't find anything. So I'm freaked out because I thought for sure something's wrong. One night at work, and and I think I mentioned before, if I didn't, I work graveyard. Like I've worked a graveyard shift for over a year now, which sucks. And I think we should do a, an episode about why graveyard is awful <laughs> for you. 
Um, but so I'm at work one night and it's in the middle of this, you know, chunk of time, about a month in which I'm having these episodes in February, like middle of February to middle of March. I'm having these episodes and I go to work. Um, I'm in, I'm in one of the work trucks. We drive to where we're going and then I'm sitting there before we get out. And all of a sudden it's really bad. Like I feel because I did the research when I started having these symptoms, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. Like I can feel pain in my chest, in my back, between my shoulder blades, down to my elbow, like classic symptoms of heart attack. My heart rate's elevated. I can feel my blood pressure rising like in my neck and in my face. I can feel it. It's that bad. So I'm like, holy shit, that, that's not good. So I get out of the truck and I start walking around like I'm trying to walk it off basically. That stupid reaction that men have like, oh shit, I'm having a serious medical issue. I better walk around in a circle and not tell anybody what's going on. But to my credit, I had the wherewithal to not go off somewhere by myself. I didn't go to the bathroom and I didn't go around the corner and, and deal with this shit by myself. I was like, I think I'm having a serious issue. I need to stay here around other people. <laughs> so it gets marginally better and I don't have any pressure in my chest or, or like um, inability to breathe, which are two very major symptoms, major signs that you're having heart failure, heart attack. And I haven't, I'm not having either of those, but the pain is there. You know, I'm sweating. My heart rate's elevated. I can feel my blood pressure is higher in my face. I feel like there's a problem with my heart. So I decide, uh, I text Audrey, who I was with at the time. I text her, even though she's asleep. I'm like, hey, I'm taking myself to the ER after work for some stupid reason. I waited until after work. I think it was because we were close to the end of the shift, like two hours. So this was like four in the morning. I text her, I'm taking myself to the ER. Could you please meet me there when you get this? So work ends. I go to the ER. It's like six in the morning. They, uh, Audrey met me there and they, you know, take my vitals. When you, when you show up to the ER, this was my first time. So I didn't know this. You show up to the ER, they take your vitals before they even admit you. So they sit you down in a chair. I get the blood pressure cuff. I get, you know, weight and height and everything. Well, I don't think they did height. They did weight. Um, they take, take all the, you know, the heart vitals and oxygen with the finger thing. Um, I can see the nurse's face as she's watching the screen, which I can't see. I can see her reaction to what she sees. And she's like, oh, yep. And I said, what? She goes, yeah, you're, we're admitting you for sure. And I, and I already knew I was having a problem. So I was relieved. And I said, okay, cool. Why? And she goes, your blood pressure is like 170 over something or other. Your heart rate is pushing 200. And I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> I knew that was bad, right? And I could, I already knew I was having an issue. Like it felt bad. But then she told me what my, my vitals were. And I was like, yeah, it's a good thing I'm here. So we go in and I'm going to try and go a little bit quicker here because I realized I've been talking forever about this this one instance i go in get tests done ekg they monitor me for three hours blood work everything the works fluids they gave me fluids too as i'm waiting you know laying there in bed essentially i calm down my heart rate goes back to normal blood pressure goes back to normal just laying there waiting for results. And I think being there in the ER, actually doing something about it, knowing I was in a good place, helped me calm down, essentially. The doctor comes in and, and essentially tells me, we can't find anything. Your EKG is good. You're a healthy 30-year-old, you know, 
dude. There's nothing in your blood work. None of those enzymes indicating heart failure, heart attack are present. There is no indication that anything is wrong. And, you know, providing you don't answer any of these, you know, list of questions with, yes, I've been having other symptoms. We can't find anything and we're going to let you go, but you need to go talk to your primary care physician about, you know, more uh investigation into what's happening but right now you're healthy and and you're you're okay to go home which did not make me feel great (laughs) because i knew as they did that something was happening they saw my vitals something was going on so i go home we go home and basically from that point which happened to be the worst episode I had experienced up to that point and have experienced since from that point, things started to get better because I went to the doctor. We talked about anxiety being maybe the cause. Maybe these are panic attacks. Maybe it's an anxiety disorder. And I started doing my own research into it. Long story short, and I don't know how many times I've said that, but long story short, diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and it was the first time in my life i had ever been analyzed for a mental illness i had had symptoms of a mental illness or 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 condition or whatever you want to call it i don't know if it's necessarily a mental illness not sure but this was i guess my point is it was completely new i was in the deep end in terms of, you know, what I had or had not experienced before. And that's what what I've been working with since that point for about a year. So what is anxiety? What are the physical and mental effects? How does it manifest? Anxiety is a fucked up flight or fight response. It is some combination of chemical and or environmental and or genetic interaction in which your brain tells you that there is danger when there's not. It's literally just your brain going into survival mode, like not just mentally, but physically. It is your brain chemically changing to survival mode you're in danger your life is in danger react and as we talked about before in survival mode fight flight or freeze right there's physical changes that happen so like i said turns out all three of us tenna kids me and my two sisters we all have the exact same genetic predisposition to generalized anxiety disorder our fight or flight response is fucked up a good example of this comes from the show ted lasso and i don't know if y'all can tell but i i just watched that show so uh that's why i've talked about it twice now in the last couple episodes (laughs) um if you've seen that show you know what i'm talking about but if you haven't spoiler alert In the show, Ted, the main character, starts experiencing um, panic attacks. And if you've seen the show, you know how Ted operates. If you haven't, just for your own information, he is an ultra-positive, proactive um, force for good. And at no point in the first part of the show... Do you ever think that he would have an anxiety disorder or have any reason to be experiencing panic attacks? How they manifest for Ted is physical first. He will be in a situation in which maybe there's some external stressor, but nothing he hasn't dealt with before, nothing that would be considered outside the realm of his you know ability to deal with his hands start to shake 
he gets pale. He gets this thousand yard stare, sort of. Um, he looks like he's about to run. That's exactly how it worked for me. And I was very happy to see this type of, of reaction to anxiety portrayed in a major, major successful television show. I mean, that show has won multiple Emmys. It is highly, highly uh, distributed and well-received. And, and it is showing a very real and common mental illness in its main character. Um, little side note there. So he experiences these physical symptoms. And then in, in the times where you see his reaction to, to having these symptoms, he runs off by himself, totally common, totally what I tried to do, runs off by himself to deal with it and, and shake and sweat and cry where nobody can see him. And thankfully for him in the show, people come looking for him. People realize that he's having a problem and reach out and try to help. Where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, yeah. So that is, you know, what anxiety is and how it manifested for me. And now you have kind of a picture of if you've seen the show, Ted Lasso, what it looks like. What I learned in the last you know year plus through talking to my doctor, through talking to my therapist, through doing my own research, what I learned is not how to make it go away, but how to accept it and manage it and deal with it and improve on my reaction. <laughs> It's not like in the last year I haven't felt those same feelings. But what it ends up being is kind of a feedback loop where how I was experiencing these things, how I was experiencing the physical symptoms meant that I didn't have any mental preparation. They would come out of nowhere. And then my own mental stress my reaction mentally to the physical symptoms exacerbated them. It was a feedback loop where I would feel bad and that would freak me out. And I would then start to, you know, stress and worry and be scared. And that would make the physical symptoms worse until, you know, there would be times where I would, you know, get my phone out and dial 911 and then hover over the send button on the phone, just ready in case something went down. You know, it would get that bad multiple times. In talking to my doctor and my therapist, like I said, learned how to understand what was happening and how to cope. And what it meant for me was I would start to have these physical symptoms for whatever reason, and I would immediately focus on breathing slow and measured and i would go through these mental exercises of telling myself you know silently thinking you're okay you know you're not having any sort of real dangerous problem the physical things that are happening to you right now are a product of your brain just being wired in a in a ineffective way for day-to-day -day operation <laughs> and for me the act of well for, first off the knowing of what was going on and the knowing that I was going to be okay and the act of telling myself that and and physically you know slowing my breath down and and as a result slowing my heart rate down and not dwelling on it and not creating that feedback loop was how I got through it. And then that coupled with stuff I've talked about before here, journaling and, and, you know, obviously talking to my therapist regularly, meditation, 
um, breathing exercises, all of that, practicing what I would need in the moment led to me being able to handle these episodes better. And any that I did have were dramatically improved by these techniques. So that's how I dealt with it. However, we haven't even touched on maybe triggers or or what was going on that might have been exacerbating my anxiety. That time of my life in early 2021, my relationship was in the process of ending even before I knew it was ending. It was in the process. I think that subconsciously I knew what was happening and it was stressing me out. It was causing me distress. Subconsciously, I knew that there were problems, that they needed to be addressed, that things were not okay. And because I wasn't addressing them, because, you know, even consciously, I wasn't even aware that I needed to be addressing them, there was this major, major discord, which, you know, I'm not saying it caused me to, you know, develop generalized anxiety disorder because I think I'm genetically predisposed since both my sisters have it. But I think it definitely brought that shit to the forefront. My brain was like, okay, we have this. Now you're going to deal with it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, in speaking with my therapist, she had you know, postulated that maybe it had something to do with the relationship or, or my job because I, I work and I worked and still do work a crappy schedule. And there's quite a few stressors at work in, in regards to the schedule and other things that could totally exacerbate, um, GAD cause anxiety. I still work there. Like I said, And I still have those same problems, but I'm not in that relationship with Audrey anymore. And this also, by the way, is no slight against her. I am not laying any blame. I am not pointing any fingers because she did nothing wrong. I just want to reiterate that this was not her fault. It was just a relationship that had reached its natural end. That's all I'm saying. And because I wasn't dealing with that, because I didn't even know consciously that I needed to be dealing with that, I think, and and I think my therapist would agree, <laughs> I think that was exacerbating the issue in a major way. So now that I don't have that in my life anymore, a year later, I couldn't tell you the last time I had had an episode. I couldn't tell you the last time that that shot of adrenaline, you know, hit me out of nowhere, or I had to go through a breathing exercise to calm myself down. It's been months. Um, and I attribute that to over the last year, having dealt with a lot of things in my life that I wasn't prior and learning techniques to do that and learning techniques to manage anxiety that may be caused by those things. So now that we're 40 minutes into this episode, which is kind of long and I don't really think I'm going to be able to cut out too much. I want to talk about why I brought this up and more of the, um, general idea of mental health. Um, but first I want to drop a quote on y'all that I think really captures what happened to me and how uh, it might be happening for other people. So let me pull this up on my phone here real quick. Just as a last word on, on the anxiety thing, as far as how it, how it worked for me, this is specifically about grief, but I think it's very related to, well, a lot of emotion, but um, 
in particular, I think this is pretty, pretty dang close to how anxiety works in my case. And I'm betting for a lot of people. Um, this is from, uh, from Sylvie Kukasian. Grief often surprises us because it doesn't come knocking for permission. It shows up on its own timeline. It can show up in our mourning and in our joy and our sadness. It can show up when our hearts have expanded and have taken the risk to love and care for another. It can show up whenever it needs to work through or move energy around inside of us. It can show up when it might be time to make space for something new. It can show up when we need to be reminded of our humanity and it can show up when we might be holding on to certainty and are resisting a frightening yet necessary change. If that doesn't describe exactly how freaking anxiety showed up in my life, I don't know what does. <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. All of a sudden, subconsciously, my physical processes, processes decided, dude, you need to do something about this. And here's your, your wake up call. You know, speaking of wake up calls as we were earlier. Um, okay. So, so, you know, obviously I think talking about mental health, mental illness conditions like these, you know, which are common, I think talking about them helps destigmatize the whole, the whole issue because for a long time in this country, mental health has been stigmatized. You're not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to act like it's a problem for anybody, even though it is an issue that literally everybody struggles with at some point in their life. And as we all know, this applies particularly severely to men. It applies to everybody. I don't want to make it seem like I'm just talking to men here. Definitely men and women. There's a stigma in this country around having mental health issues and talking about them. Thankfully, it's getting better. But men in particular are taught to buck up and bear it. Rub some dirt on it. Walk that shit off and get on with your day. Yuck. That is so fucking unhealthy. And we're teaching that and have taught that to our sons. Well, gross. That's not, not at all how this shit should work. I didn't consider myself somebody for the majority of my life. I didn't consider myself somebody who had too many, you know, traits that could be labeled as, you know, toxic masculinity. I thought for three decades that nothing was wrong with me. But guess what? Turns out after speaking to both my sisters, turns out that that shit manifests later in life for men. I know we always hear about how mental illness typically is going to manifest in your early 20s in this, you know, society that we live in. Turns out anxiety very often manifests for men in their early 30s later than women surprise justice has anxiety <laughs> um i resisted at first like i said with my doctor i was like no that can't be it i didn't think it was it was anything related to anxiety because in my head i was like everything's fine it doesn't make any sense for me to be anxious or having panic attacks because i have nothing to panic about wrong <laughs> didn't think it could be me the moral of the story is yeah it could be you and it might be and it probably is <laughs> having a mental health issue doesn't make you lesser doesn't make you weak it doesn't mean anything about you all it is is information about your health and nothing else. Do you treat a cold? Do you treat cancer, Crohn's disease, a broken leg, IBS, 
do you accept those things as outside of your control and as something that needs to be addressed promptly and dealt with? Yes, you do. We all know that that is the answer. Yes, you do. Mental health is no different. It is the exact same thing. It is a biological process caused mainly by factors outside of your control, external and internal. There is nothing wrong with you as a person. I can't stress that enough. Your mental health needs to be given the same attention that you give your physical health because as I said in the last episode, and it's a subject that I'm going to touch on in its own episode, your mental and emotional and physical health are all one. They are tied together inextricably, and if you neglect one, you are neglecting the whole. <laughs> I just realized neglecting the whole is a funny phrase. I don't mean that what y'all are thinking, you freaking dirty minds out there. Whole as in W-H-O-L-E. <laughs> Don't neglect one part of your health and think that you can operate at 100% on the other two. You can't. So what I'm doing here is I'm putting a call out to everyone who thinks that way, but specifically to men because I am one and even for someone like me who didn't even consider that I might have those you know, thoughts, that I might have these aversions to dealing with my mental health, even for somebody who considered themselves very open-minded about these issues, I still ended up falling into the same trap. I still had the same issue in which I dismissed it outright to begin with and allowed it to get worse before I realized what was going on and that I needed to do something about it and that it could get better if I just acted. <sighs> so my call to you all, particularly, per particularly to men, is this. Reach out. Talk to me. Talk to someone. If, it, if you want it to be me, I'm here. Getting help is scary and I know that. Let me help. Allow someone, if not me, allow someone in your life to help you because there is no shame in getting help. There is no shame in admitting that something is wrong. You don't feel shame over getting the flu or getting COVID, do you? Well, now that I think about it. You should feel shame if you got COVID from going to spring break in Florida <laughs> in spring of 2020 and you got COVID. Yeah, definitely feel ashamed about that. <laughs> but in general, you don't have these same aversions to getting help for your physical health. Apply that same mentality to your mental health. Please reach out and talk to somebody. Understand that you are not alone, that there are people in your life, guaranteed, there are other men in your life who are dealing with this, who are somewhere in that process, the beginning, the middle, or the end, they're somewhere in that forest dealing with the same things that you are, whatever your what particular issues may be. And if we talk about it, it gets easier to bear. Misery, like we talked about before, loves company. All emotions love company. Allow yourself to be helped. Allow yourself to be vulnerable, and it gets better. Please reach out. Talk to somebody or talk to me. My door is always open. My phone, even if it's not, <laughs> even if it's not on, my phone is always available. So... Talk to someone. We'll figure it out. I think we're going to wrap up there. This is one of the longer episodes because I rambled forever. <laughs> um, so just 
as a reminder, your ex-boyfriend's podcast is now on Apple Podcasts. Woo! Apple Podcasts. Listen to that shit on iTunes. It's also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Um, Man, what else is it on? You can listen to it on Podbean, of course, if you have the app or you want to go on any web browser, you can listen to it on Podbean. Oh, Last FM. It's on Last FM, too. Uh, what's the last one? I know we talked about it. I'm going to have to look it up real quick. Your ex-boyfriend's podcast. Last FM and iHeartRadio. I'm sorry, not Last FM. I'm tripping. Player FM. <laughs> uh yeah so you can listen on any of those platforms also if you have any thoughts comments ideas you want to be on the podcast um whatever you have to say you can always email me at your exbf podcast at gmail.com no caps no spaces or you can reach out on my instagram at your underscore exbf underscore podcast your xbf podcast um i think that's it i think this was a pretty good episode number 11 we're going into the second decade (laughs) of this podcast so one last thing to reiterate again if you think even have the slightest inkling that you might be having an issue, a problem, some sort of tickling in the back of your brain, or you're experiencing symptoms that you don't understand. If you have something that's going on in your life, please reach out. And if you have nobody else to reach out to, reach out to me. And on that note, I want you all to take it easy out there. Be safe, good mental health, and I will talk to you next Sunday. Take care. (laughs) 